Let's, uh, let's pray as we open God's word. Father, we bless and thank you for this morning. Thank you for the wisdom that you bring into our lives. Um, you teach us how to walk. You teach us where to go. Um, and you teach us the ultimate destination of our lives, which means everything. And so we bless you and we thank you. Um, inhabit this time that we are spending together. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So um, last week of this message, and so of course that's always the question, where to end the series, and um, I would be remiss if I didn't end it with what I think are the two wisest verses in the book of Proverbs, the two wisest verses in the book of Proverbs. And uh, if, if Proverbs has a summary statement, it's uh, Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6, which reads this. And you've probably heard this before. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. So what I'm going to do this morning, I'm just going to break down this passage into its four component parts. And we're just going to go through each one, one by one. And the idea is that these verses will sink down deeply into your spirit um, and every time you open the Bible or you read these verses, I mean, sometimes people have these, these verses on a, like a, uh, you know, like a little plaque in the house. You will, um, you'll be able to think deeply about them. So, okay, trust in the Lord with all your heart. What does that mean? Well, the first thing that jumps out to me when I read that verse is this little word, all. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. This verse doesn't say, trust in the Lord with just enough of your heart, or most of your heart, or with a majority of your heart. No, it says all, all of your heart, all of your heart. So now you might be asking, okay, how am I supposed to do that? What does that look like? Well, um, it's, it's kind of a, a process um, as opposed to um, a one-time decision. Um, and you need, at some point in your life, through a process of building trust with the Lord, you have to decide to follow Jesus. There's that old song, I have decided to follow Jesus. What's the end to that? No turning back. No turning back. That song was actually written um, in India. It was written um, by someone who, for whom... Um, they decided to trust in Jesus, and what it meant is that their family would reject them. Their family would um, basically turn their back on them. And so uh, this person wrote that song basically saying, uh, I've, I've, I've got to move forward with Jesus. I've got to trust Jesus with all my heart. No turning back. Now, let me try to explain to you um, this idea of trusting God with all your heart using human relationships as a kind of a springboard. Think back to when you were dating, okay? Now, that's a, that's a stretch for some of you, okay? It goes a little ways back. Um, but but uh, remember, when you met that certain person that made your heart beat a little faster and you finally worked up the courage to ask that person on a date or maybe they asked you out, right? Now, whether you were consciously aware of it or not, uh, from the first point of this interaction with this person, you started to keep track of how trustworthy they were, right? 
If the person said, um, I'll be at your house at 7 p.m., um, you were a bit relieved if, if he or she actually showed up to your place at 7 p.m. And you probably cringed a bit if, if they were an hour late or if they didn't even say anything about it, right? Even with such a little thing as being on time, it's a kind of a measuring stick that either enhances your trust in this person or detracts from it, right? And then there were more important things, like when you started to, to, to talk about matters of the heart and you were sharing your heart with this person and, and you kind of kept track of their responses. Did they really hear what you were saying to them, right? Did they empathize with you? Were they a safe person that you could share your heart with or not so much or not so much? And when they started to share some deeper things with you, you asked yourself, is this person really sincere? Does this person share what's really going on? Does, does it ring true, right? Um, like, like maybe they had some heavy baggage in their life, uh, but they kind of didn't really want to talk about it. And you were all along, you were making little judgments, right? Trust was either being enhanced or eroded then maybe the relationship developed to the point where you made a commitment to date each other exclusively, another step. And, and over time, based on each other's fidelity to that covenant, trust was either enhanced or eroded. The point I'm making, the point I'm making is that in all human relationships, we establish trust, right? Trust is at the core of it. There are risks involved. There are steps to take. But we have to decide either we're going to trust this person or we are not, right? It's not a passive deal. You can't just sit back and say, well, some months from now, after having done nothing or engaging in nothing, having made no decisions, having, coming up with no determinations, I'm going to decide whether this person is a trustworthy person or not. You had to come to a conclusion. It's a step-by-step thing. It starts with little steps, and then it moves into larger steps. And then there was that big decision, a kind of an all-in moment. At some point, you finally said, all right, all right, I trust this man, or I trust this woman. I, I really do. I'm ready to give my heart to them. And I want to say to you that your relationship with God is similar to that. It's similar to that. In this passage, the writer of the book of Proverbs is saying, I'm here to recommend to you this idea of trusting the Lord with all your heart. If you read the context, it's really the words of a father to a son. The father is saying to this son, he said, listen, I have gone through my life. I have experienced many, many things with God, and I'm here to tell you the best path for you to take is to trust God to put your faith in God because he's credible. He's shown himself to me to be someone that is a foundational aspect of my life, right? When I trust God with all my heart, life goes well. Now, here's the thing. No one can really trust God with their whole heart based on one's recommendations. You can't just make a pronouncement. Otherwise, it would have no meaning. There's no substance to it. 
In order to get this point, you have to say, I actually trust in the Lord with all my heart. You have to engage with God personally and genuinely and in some significant way that you can determine this for yourself, right? So how do I do that? Well, the first thing you need to do is engage your mind, all right? Over and over again, people who don't have a lot of experience with God, as I've seen over the years, after some time inevitably come up to me and they say, okay, uh, Pastor Bruce, the more I listen to the messages that you give at, uh, at, in the church, um, the more I actually read the Bible a little bit, the more this stuff makes sense to me, right? The more credible it seems. What's more, over the weeks and months, I'm feeling like God is kind of whispering to me through all of these moments, I'm for real. The, the whole thing is for real. God is saying, I love you. If, if you would take a little step of trust, I would prove myself to be trustworthy to you every single time. And then they usually say something like this to me. They'll say, is that weird? To which I'll say, no, that's actually how it works. That's actually how it works. As you engage your mind with God, God is proving that he makes sense, right? Jesus said in the Gospels that no one who seriously tries to find God, who seriously engages in that task of trying to find God, will fail to find him because God is available. He's available. Now, now it can stop there, okay? But once you've engaged God with your mind and you begin to see that God makes sense, um, you have to take the next step because the next step is to engage him with the rest of your life. And a great way to start to do this is to begin to pray. Just start talking to God. Start talking to God. Tell him about your life. Invite him into your everyday life. Ask him to journey with you. And guess what? If you do, he will. In all my years of ministry, anyone who has seriously begun to engage God in prayer has ever come back to me and said, I got nothing. I got nothing. I knocked in heaven's door and no one answered. In fact, quite the opposite. If they start to engage in prayer as a discipline, and even if it's just a one-time prayer, uh, like a daily prayer, they will often come to me, I think he's talking back to me. And I will say, yes, he is. Why are we whispering? Right? Of course, there are many other everyday ways in which you can exercise trust in God. For example, often I'll tell people, if um, why, why don't you hang around uh, this church for a while? Why don't you hang around and see if you don't reflect in this church kind of a reflection of Jesus' teaching? Now, you have to be careful, because I'll always say, look, you know, we are a bunch of broken people. We are not perfect people. But... But if you see what we're doing, if you see that, like, on Wednesday nights, we head down to try to help out the homeless here in Mission, we try to feed them, we give money so that other people can be blessed. When you begin to see that, that we're committed to each other so that when someone goes through something difficult in their life, we're there, so that when somebody has a baby, uh, who had the baby again? Ah, good job. And, uh, but we're there. We're there. And we say, hey... Bless you, right? See if you don't begin to detect in this community 
that there's something different going on than, say, just belonging to the YMCA, all right? That there's something deeper and more significant. And when people begin to experience that, when they get sick and someone brings a bowl of soup or a pot of soup over, right, and says, we just were thinking about you and praying for you, that's, that's God at work, Right? So now, sooner or later, in your relationship with God, you're going to have to choose to make that ultimate step of trust, where you invite Jesus not to be a forgiver of sins, a redeemer of hearts, a soul healer, but your forgiver, your redeemer, and your healer, and your friend. And that means taking that step. And I want to encourage you, if you've never taken that step, to take that step. Right? Now, here's the deal. In the same way that it works with earthly relationships, it works with God. You can't just say to your wife one time, you know what? I love you. What do you do? Every day you get up and you say, I love you. Or with your husband, you say, I love you. And you don't just say it as a verbal thing. You say it by cleaning up after yourself, by bringing coffee, by doing the specific things, all right, that demonstrate love trust the lord with all your heart i'm here to tell you this morning that's one of the best decisions that you can ever make you can ever make all right um second line and lean not on your own understanding what does that mean does it mean that if i'm going to trust god i need to throw out my brain uh, as, you know, as a Christian, I can just, you know, just, just trust God. Don't worry about anything. Um, does this mean you discount your discernment apparatus and pretend like you've never learned anything in the course of your life? Of course not. Of course not. What this means is that you need to be wary of your impulse, now listen carefully, to trust yourself exclusively, to trust yourself. In reaction to complex life situations, it means that you are aware that your own personal perspective is limited and that you need to trust God's perspective, right? You need to trust God's direction in your life. This verse is saying if you solely trust on your own radar in life, there's a good chance you're going to end up on the rocks of reality, right? I read an interesting article a while back about piloting airplanes, uh, my uncle was an airline pilot for Air Canada. It's always been a bit of a fascination of mine. And it was entitled 178 Seconds to Live. So 20 pilots who had never taken instrument training but were very capable visual pilots, that is, they had taken their training, right, and they were, they were fine when there was, like, reference points when... Um, they had, you know, a visual that they, you know, in terms of landing planes and stuff like that, good pilots. And they were each put into a flight simulator, and they were asked to try to keep their simulated airplane under control as they, fl- as they flew into simulated thick clouds in bad weather. The study reported that all 20 of them crashed. They crashed in their simulator plane, and they killed themselves. And it only took 178 seconds on average, on average. Two seconds short of three minutes. Seasoned pilots, skilled intuition, 
but when they lost their reference point, they crashed and killed themselves in the simulator. So, so here we are in this series, and we've been looking at various things through this book, through this book of Proverbs, and we've received God's instruction on various things like how to handle our financial resources, uh, how to deal with our sexual impulses. We've learned about the importance of doing good with our lives, taking initiative, and, and, and all kinds of other stuff. And of course, I could go on for six more weeks in this series, right? Because the book of Proverbs is rich, and you've been reading it. Now, in the days and weeks and months and years in front of us, we have a decision to make, right? We're all going to get to those points, those intersection points in our lives in which we have some decisions to make. And the question is, are you going to trust God's wisdom in guidance on these matters, or are you just going to fly in your own intuition? And I want to suggest to you that you trust God, that you trust God, when there's a discrepancy between your own personal guidance system and God, choose God's. Choose God's. Don't lean on your own understanding. Lean into God's wisdom. You'll never regret it. Um, as I was writing this message, there was a, you know, a situation in my life, um, and I won't go into the details of it, but I knew what I wanted to do. I had a good idea of what I wanted to do. And as far as I was concerned, I knew the path that I should take, how I should fly the plane. But as I prayed into that particular situation I was facing, God kept bringing me back to these words. Proverbs 11, verse 14, where there is no guidance, a people fails, but in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. So I chose, I chose in the moment to listen to the counselors that were in my life in order to find safety. I chose God's wisdom, and it helped me. It helped me from crashing the plane, so to speak. Listen, our best notions about the way things ought to be are often ill-advised, destructive, or even dangerous, right? When it comes right down to it, we need to understand that we have limited wisdom. But God's wisdom is eternal. God's wisdom, he said again, God's wisdom is eternal. He gives us wisdom from the perspective of seeing all throughout time. He sees from the perspective of having made us as human beings, understanding who we are, even understanding the way in which we mess up. All right. Third line, in all your ways acknowledge him. Um, let's get right to the point of what this line means. Whatever area of your life you decide to keep God out of, whatever you decide to retain control of and mastery of and manage your way instead of God's way, that will likely imperil your life, the quality of your life, and, and also the quality of the lives of those around you. How many holes does it take to sink a ship? Just one. Just one. And it doesn't even have to be a big one. But over time, it will sink the ship. So many Christ followers trust God, follow his wisdom in almost every area of their life. Nine out of ten, they pat themselves on the back for the nine, 
but the one area they remain, the one area they retain control of, maybe it's their career, maybe it's their ambition, maybe it's their money, maybe it's their sexuality, or maybe it's some secret habit, maybe it's a talent, or how they treat their bodies, or something like that. But in this one area, they say, God, I know, I know what your wisdom says, but I'm doing what I want to do. I know what your spirit is prompting me to do, but the answer is no. I'll manage this one area of my life. And it leads to disaster. It's uncanny. I'm not saying it might. I'm saying it will. It will. Over time, it will. If you trace the most difficult things that are going on in your life right now back to the decisions that you made, you'll begin to understand if you said, wow, if I had only trusted God with that particular area of my life. Maybe you're the sort of person that has to learn every lesson in life the hard way. But you can save yourself a lot of pain. You really can. If you, if you learned what Christ followers, millions of them, have learned along the way, the area of your life that is not under the leadership of God, that is not under the wisdom of God, is going to be a great source of heartache, pain, and frustration. And the, 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 the book of Proverbs says, don't, don't do that to yourself, right? Don't expose yourself to that kind of rich, or risk, rather. You've you got to patch up the one hole that might sink your ship in all your ways. In all your ways, acknowledge him. All right, last line. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will what? He will make your paths straight. Here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that if you trust God that you're going to live this like peachy keen kind of life, right? There's never going to be trouble. There's never going to be any problems that, you know, every stoplight in your life is going to be green. Every hole you dig, a geyser, every, every golf shot, you know, a hole in one. Um, that's not what I'm saying. Uh, neither does it mean you get to bypass the rules of hard work or commitment, preparation, or diligence. It doesn't mean you never get to experience pain and problems. That's part of being in this world, okay? Remember, Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. Trouble, right? And, and as Christians, we can get pretty crazy about this stuff. I, I mean... Um, Maybe a better translation of this verse might be, and God will lead you on the right path. All right? The right path. Is the right path always the easiest path? No. No, it's not. But it's the right path. It's going in the right directions. If I'm going somewhere, I'd rather be on the right path that's harder than the easy path that's wrong. Would you agree with that? Right? Sometimes in my marriage, I have to work on it, even though it's hard, even though it's difficult, even though it's the harder path. But I'm choosing that path because it's the right path. And Sharon and I are celebrating our 35th wedding anniversary uh, next month. Right? Again, I'm not holding us up as a shining star, but 35 years of commitment, it it bears fruit, beautiful fruit, right? She can look at me now, and I know exactly what she means. She doesn't have to say a word, right? 
And it's usually like, what are you thinking, right? Or something like that, right? God will lead you on the right path, the straight path. And when your life has that kind of purpose and meaning, right, it, it, it leads you home. It leads you to the home of the Father. Jesus says to us, what does he say? Follow me, and I will show you the way to the Father. I will show you the way home. I want to end with um, these words. Um, It's an old hymn. It's an old hymn. And every time I read it, I, I kind of tear up a little bit. So I'm going to try not to this morning. But it's beautiful. And I think, put it up. Beams of heaven, as I go, through this wilderness below. It's a wilderness sometimes. Remember that, right? Guide my feet in peaceful ways. Turn my midnights into days. When in the darkness I would grope, faith always sees a star of hope. And soon from all life's griefs and sorrows, I shall get home someday. I do not know how long it will be or what the future holds for me. But this I know, if Jesus leads me, I shall get home someday. Let's pray. Father, thank you for teaching us. Thank you for guiding us. Thank you for your grace, which is new every morning. Help us to trust you. It's so hard sometimes, but help us to trust you. That you know what you're doing in our lives. And that even though down here the wilderness sometimes seems so barren and bleak and difficult... You are guiding us and leading us. And one day, one day, we shall get home. We pray in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Let's stand. Let's sing this song.